0: and welcome to
1: She Geeks out a podcast where we geek out about all the things. I'm Rachel and I'm Felicia
0: Well hello hey Felicia Hey Rachel Hey Gemma Hey Rachel <laughs> How's everybody doing? <laughs> good good. Really good. Good I am so glad. Um, and for our lovely listeners, I want to say who we are actually speaking with. We are speaking to the lovely Gemma Espinera, VP of Global Success at Decibel. Also, former speaker um, for our first virtual uh, Geek Out sponsored by Facebook. Uh, you did an incredible job, so much so that we were like, we need to get this person on yeah, our podcast. Yeah, get her on the
1: podcast. <laughs> mostly, Thank just you.
0: mostly because you have a lovely accent, but also because we not want to hear. Not mostly.
1: I, mean, I it think was it's just, just the factor. accent. Let's be real. It was a factor. But I don't know if, if Rachel told you this, Gemma, but when you were doing your talk, we have a, a private Slack channel just for our ambassadors who are sort of like our supercharged volunteers. And uh-huh. they were just flipping out. They loved you so much. And... They were like, oh, my God, Gemma's in my in my group. She's talking to me. I'm speaking with her right now. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's connecting with me on LinkedIn. Oh. It was like a celebrity had entered the chat room. Well, oh <laughs> oh I will gosh. tell you,
0: it was so funny because when it was happening, and I saw that as well, um, I actually texted – I took a screenshot, and I texted it to Gemma so she could see some of the – Yeah. I was like, wow, these these people are so kind. I should, uh, I should talk more often. Um, <laughs> you should. So <laughs> – so yeah, so no, here, here we are. are. <laughs> so we're doing it. So we wanted, we wanted to give all of, we wanted to make sure that the whole world heard your your wisdom. So why don't we just start by learning about Decibel and, and what you do there? Sure. So uh,
2: Decibel is a startup slash scale up. You could now call us because we've got quite a bit of investment behind us. And what we do is we provide a software that analyzes digital experiences so we can identify good experiences on a website and bad experiences on a website and give a list of things to improve on um, both website and app experiences so the types of customers that we work with are ones that do a lot of uh transactions on their websites or apps so british airways Allstate, sony lego fidelity these kind of really big um global enterprises and my team are responsible for helping them achieve their outcomes so that includes a mixture of customer success managers as well as success planners trainers analysts people who are dedicated to helping our customers improve their websites with the type of intelligence that we're giving them
0: love that and if the company is based in the uk um yes so we originally um
2: were kind of uh, created in in London. We still have our head office in London. Our US head office, however, is in Boston. And i moved over um, just over three years ago to open that head office uh, for the US. And then we also have a couple of offices in different places like San Francisco and Denver. And we've got a new office in Madrid in Spain, which is really cool, Um, just a bit of a tech hub over there. Mm. So um, yeah, I've grown grown kind of across the globe in the time
1: I've been there. It's amazing.
0: So
2: fun.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to Decibel?
2: Yeah. So um, my journey prior to Decibel, I had worked in other types of marketing software as a service. Um, not doing things around experiences but definitely around you know public relations and SEO and all that and all that kind of stuff where really you cared about what people said and you cared about how many people came to your website as opposed to whether they stayed and actually had a good time (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I I fell into that because in all honesty I needed to pay my rent and I just wasn't doing very well um, with my with my law career so i had um, gone to university in england and did a spanish and english law degree which saw me also spend some time practicing in spain and then after that once you do your degree you have to get like additional training as a lawyer and it's super expensive it's very competitive and i did some of the training i went to four different law firms and in all of them i just felt like it was very much an old boys network Mm. and it was painfully slow in terms of the pace of getting to the position that I thought I would be in as a lawyer which would be consulting with customers and resolving issues it was like very much you're in a room here's the bundles that you've got to go through literally like huge stacks of paper you're gonna go through that and you're gonna present it to a partner who's then going to go and work with there um, and by the way it might take you 15 years to get to partner level if you're mm. lucky <laughs> So, um, so um, I thought, you know, man, I've put all this time into this, this thing that I thought was going to see me travel and spend a lot of time with customers and make money and wasn't doing that. Um, so before I went and took kind of the last part of training. I went and got a job working for a, um, a SaaS business that was just advertising on LinkedIn for cold callers. And I thought, mm. yes, we will just go for it. And I got the job on the first interview and I stayed there for a while and um, the rest is history. So yeah, I think um, it wasn't a traditional journey into SaaS, but I don't think anyone has a traditional journey in SaaS unless they were part of like the Silicon Valley startup. Um, scene which not many people are anymore
0: but you got to boston i did i got to boston how'd you get to boston
2: um so with decibel actually so as a result of working for decibel i would come and uh, meet and help our our u.s customers um and we spent some time at conferences in Boston to meet customers and at those conferences I actually met my partner. So um Oh that's so fun. Yeah. So when after I met Lauren, it was like, wow, how do I how do I move to the US? And I was fortunate. <laughs> you didn't move here for a sponsored.
1: job. Let's be clear. You moved here yes. for
2: <laughs> Well, yeah, Rachel Rachel knows she's she's digging in here because you, you love the story. But um I do I was able I was fortunate enough to um to kind of put the business case for having a Boston office together to our CEO. And we already had some people working remotely here. So yeah, was able to get the visa, move over, and um, now on track for a green card when uh, when things get back to normal after Rona, oh of course, because everything's on hold at the moment. Oh
0: my God, it's so yeah. crazy. It, so I, this wasn't one of the standard questions, but I'm just like, Man, I feel like you could write something on, you know, how to how to win friends and influence people because making that case to to set up a business in another country. Uh, I like, mean, I think it was
2: it was it was definitely good timing and luck as well. Um, but uh, yeah, I think you know some. Ugh, sounds corny, but if you really want something and you put it out there and you work towards it, you'll you'll get it somehow. I didn't know it would be Boston, right? But um I'm just fortunate that it that
1: it was. So Well was it was it that you were making the case to have it be any US office or were you? Kind of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. You know the US yeah. is a lot bigger than, than England, right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: yes definitely i know that now Um, i have uh, yeah i worked it out (laughs) um yeah i think i think the luck piece was that our technology you know whilst whilst we founded it in the uk um it was and it is such a hit in the us and i think you know europe's uh in many ways ahead when it comes to website design and analytics but they have a little bit more red tape around budgets than what you have in the U.S., mm-hmm. where um, you know there's there's a lot more there's a lot more money, or there has been to date. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it was it was you know one of those things where your personal objectives and your work objectives come together, and I was fortunate to be in that uh, position.
1: Sorry, I have a, I have a personal question. Feel free to say now or we can cut this out too. But <laughs> is this does this ever like come up if you are having like a fight with your partner where you're like, I literally convinced her <laughs> to open an open country for you. <laughs>
2: um, no, no, it doesn't. Actually, they love each other so much and they never fight. <laughs> it's, no, we don't. We do love each other, but we do fight. But I, I would say, um, actually, it's the opposite. I think because I had that motivation, I've worked harder than I ever have. Mm. I've always been a hard worker um but I think when you when you have purpose and and you you can tie that with your passion of you know also having great results um you can do you can go far far beyond your your expectations so I actually put it down to the fact that I've been successful because I had that personal uh, motivation behind mm. it as well
0: that's such a great point. I hear so many people and the internet saying all the time, like, find your why. Find your why. And then that, that will lead to success. Um, and I'm glad that you're, you're living proof of that. It's, uh, it's hard for a lot of people to, to find that why. I guess we all just need to find that person. To be so obsessed no. with, that we oh have to. Oh my gosh! To, no, no that's not the message. That's
2: not the message. That's, that's you like, the oh, this, this have is going to be off the rail <laughs> Oh god! <laughs> like code, codependentpodcast.com. Like,
1: <laughs>
2: oh, oh, no, no,
1: let, it's let, Let's bring it. Yes. Let, let's bring it back to the work a bit more. Yes. So, um, when you were presenting at our, our geek out, you were talking specifically. Your talk title was the secret lives of customer success managers. Mm-hmm. And so could you maybe recap a little bit of that with us again here, especially for those listeners who may not have been at the Geek Out. So what is a CSM and how does one become a CSM?
2: Yep, yeah. so CSMs um, can mean different things in different companies, but usually a CSM is responsible for doing uh, three things, for keeping customers, like retaining customers, it's called, but basically keeping them in contract um, for getting them to use the product more. In most scenarios, the CSM is working for a SaaS product, so logins, adoption, that kind of stuff, and for ultimately helping the customer grow and in that growth spend more money. Right now, the the big difference that you can see with CSM roles is really dependent upon the leadership in the business. So if the leadership sees the customer as an asset, right? They will, they will see all the growth side as being an organic piece of the relationship. If they are reaching their outcomes, then we earn the right to grow through making them successful, and we're not, you know, just charging them more money for the sake of it, right? There's there's a purpose behind it. Um, what you can find with some CSM roles, though, is that they're given these growth targets, and then everything else behind it is kind of a bit if. so sometimes they can be a bit more salesy as opposed to success orientated Mm -hmm. other times they can also be a little bit more um, support based so think of a reactive uh, type scenario where there's a issue you have and you raise a technical ticket and then you have someone respond in most cases those are technical support teams but in some cases customer success managers can do that piece um, i'm seeing that less and less in the industry because it is a very different type of um, skill set required mm-hmm. but um yeah ultimately it's a csm is about keeping a customer relationship healthy and renewing it and expanding
0: so, it so i did a little bit of research on this role and um just because it, it feels like it's just been in the ether for the past couple of years and before then it wasn't. So I actually mm-hmm. learned that this role has existed, you know, since the nineties. So it's been mm-hmm. around for, for a while. Um, but it's just recently exploded. Um, why do you think that is? Um, so
2: it has recently exploded. And I think that is to do with the fact that more and more businesses have turned to subscription-based right so if you think about it like big tech companies in the past like ibm you would have to buy something and then install it you know even adobe if you use photoshop you would like buy the cd and then install the cd and then it would be out of date um the minute you buy it and <laughs> If you take an example like Adobe, they were one of the first to move to the subscription-based service, where now you pay a monthly fee, but everything's up to date. Um, so it's great for the customer. It's also great for businesses because they have now reoccurring revenue, mm-hmm. as opposed to just that like one-off purchase of that big piece of software or CD, whatever, <laughs> floppy disk we could even say. <laughs> um, um, so it's really good. It's really good for them because it allows them to tell their shareholders like we don't just have this one sale we have this reoccurring sale happening again and again and again with the same customer Um, the risk however is that it does give the customer more choice because Mm. to move from one subscription to another is a lot easier than it is to have to kind of reinstall something over and over again Mm. Um, so in the past customer success managers existed but they weren't as necessary because once your customer bought you they were less likely to leave because it was a hassle Mm -hmm. now it's super easy to chop and change providers Mm -hmm. and therefore the um, customer success manager role has become more important because that reoccurring revenue that book of business is actually a lot bigger than the new business book of business
0: yeah everything i've read is that um it's way easier to to get new get more business from existing customers than from new ones so yeah smart i
2: totally get it that's another piece right like the the growth piece which is you can spend a ton of money trying to trying to win custom win new new customers um or you could um grow your existing
0: yeah um, smart
2: yeah
1: Let's say that there are people out there who are listening who maybe are working in some kind of a CSM or a related role. Do you have any advice for someone who wants to like level up? Um, What are some secrets of success that you might be able to share with us?
2: Uh, Sure. You know, I think there's some basic things that would apply to leveling up in any role that work here. So having great performance metrics, achieving them and having a great temperament that's the, that's the most important thing, like, and you like know. <laughs> um, you know, if you if if you can consistently hit your targets, whatever they are, um, and if you don't have targets, create your own targets and show mm. them to your manager and show that you're hitting them. Um, mm. And have good te- good temperament. You know, when things go a bit south, um, you got to deal with it and you got to rise above it. Um, I think you know more specifically to. The customer success world there are there are so many um, traps that you can fall into that would put you in a bad headspace to deal with the with the kind of problems that your customers could face so the biggest trap is probably thinking that the customer belongs to you
1: and that you're the only one who can make a difference for them mm. Interesting. Do you find that there's ever any tension where a CSM, either in your own experience or in other roles that you've seen, sort of almost becomes more pro-customer side versus the company side that they're working for? Because I can imagine, and I've never worked really in this role, but I can only imagine the temptation to sort of, whether willingly or unwillingly, just kind of be so focused on the customer that you almost start to work against yourself because it is still a business relationship. Yeah, totally. Day, right?
2: Absolutely. So what you've just described there, Felicia, is that we would call that going native, right? <laughs> <laughs> where, 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 you think, where you think that you're basically, you're the customer and the, the company you work for is, um you know, owing something to you. And it's it's very dangerous because, you can feel like that, but you have to remember that no one owns the customer solely. The business you work for owns the customer, right? The customer is their asset. You, they're not yours because you're the CSM. They belong to, in my case, they belong to Decibel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in the same way, you you have to be flexible and adaptable enough to to effectively be part of the customer's team. So. It's, um, it's easy to fall into scenarios where you're talking in blame, whether it's blame the customers not doing what they said they were going to do, blame mm-hmm. that someone else in your business didn't do what they said they were going to do. But what you have to do instead is talk in terms of optimizations for the future. So mm-hmm. this is what we've learned. This is like not gone well. I'm going to be straight off about it, but here's the plan to improve it. And it's just that continual um, view of, how can i be solutions driven how can i optimize how can we learn from this sharing that with the other people around you will then help you know whoever's in your leadership position build set plays like this is what you can expect to go wrong this is what you should be prepared to do so um yeah it's just that recognition that they don't belong to you it's not all on you but in order to make them successful you have to be willing to have hard open and honest conversations and continually look to improve their outcomes.
0: It's really interesting because I would think that the, with this role, you know, you have to be very empathetic, um, obviously, to the customer, but then is there a fine line. So I wonder if some of the skills and traps of for this role, like, what do you think the kind of temperament is best suited for this for this role?
2: Yeah, um, uh, empathy is huge. Like, you cannot be successful in this role without being empathetic. Um, so. I think that's, that's one of the things that I, I look for in everybody I hire. Um, I think you have to just balance that empathy with being solutions driven, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you want to be empathetic, but you don't want to be pitiful about the situation. You've got to make a plan and, and move on. And if the
0: plan doesn't work, it doesn't work, but you're trying, right? Um, Right. And you, and you also have to be a bit logical too, I would imagine. And I mean, yes, solutions oriented, but also to your other point about, you know, not being so empathetic that you're, you're, you've gone native, which I, I call it the Norma Ray. Like (laughs) I'm going to rise up against the man. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, a lot of people I interview, um, they come and talk about the horror stories of why they want to leave their business. And I think if you are in a customer success management role and the company that you work for doesn't care about their customers, doesn't see them as assets, then you should probably think about a new role Mm. because you're you're going to be unhappy. It's not going to be good for your mental health. Um, and you know, like what goes around comes around. If you treat your customers bad, (laughs) you'll you'll lose them and you'll lose everyone else who they speak to so um
0: that's right yeah yeah well said um i have one more csm related question before we sw- switch it up a little bit which is are there any um can you talk about any sort of challenge that you've had with this role or that you've seen i know you i know you manage a lot of people as well which is mm-hmm. a whole other skill set um and if you could talk about that and sort of how you've overcome it i Sure, um, I'd I'd be I want to know. I don't know if anybody else wants to know, but I want to know. Um,
2: sure, yeah, I can I can definitely do that. So I think one of the one of the challenges that we were able to overcome really successfully in Decibel was actually moving to a customer success model. Right. So previous to um, what we have now, we used to have a model that was very sales driven. Most startups have this so when you're starting out you're trying to get your product market fit which means that your product fits and people can use it you're going to sell to everyone and anyone Um, once you get a good set of customers you then start to think about okay what is what are the trends in these customers that make us make them our segment how do we focus on them in our case it was the enterprise segment right so now we really focus on the enterprise customer um And our challenge was we had a a lot of people who were called account managers um, who were in my team who were given a growth target. So then we had to move them onto a customer success model, which is a retention based target. Mm. So um, it definitely was a challenge. it was a challenge going through and changing people's compensation plans and showing them kind of the long-term vision. And though you know, you might not get as much commission from that one deal in the long-term, you're gonna get more from working better with your rest of your team. Um, so it, it definitely was a challenge going through that process. I think what, what made it really successful was just bringing every single person in the team into the vision like if we want to grow this business we can't just do it um you know doing the same thing that we've always been doing we have to look at the long-term plan we have to look at how we can really drive advocacy with our customers and that's going to mean that we don't sell to everyone all the time Mm -hmm. you know so um i think that kind of culture is really understood in our business um it was hard to get there
0: but it it just helps when everybody's on the same page. Brilliant.
1: Totally yeah, agree. So hard too, because I know, especially short term versus long term, and when mm. you bring in commission and money, it gets complicated. So, yeah. yeah. Well, but speaking, speaking of vision, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, well, I was going to say. Well, I was going to say. Speaking of complications, <laughs> oh. Oh, <my> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> just curious. Um, I'm just curious, you know, obviously the elephant in the room is coronavirus and I'm just curious Mm. if that has affected anything in the way that Decibel has been approaching the work or even if your customers have, if you've seen any changes there, any shifts in terms of how you're thinking about everything given our new world order?
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, we've definitely seen a change. you know a lot of our customers are retail and travel and automotive focused and no one's buying flights no one's buying cars and not many people are buying clothes so
1: um except for sweat <laughs> pant makers cuz i'm sure Except, except stag- stag- guys like going out as <laughs> crushing it right now <laughs> which
2: which by the way some of them i think are like taking taking the mickey as we say in in the uk um <laughs> like like i i know i'm going to need these sweatpants but can you not email
1: me these offers like twice a week. Get I, get, sure. I get daily emails from Ann Taylor Loft and
0: <laughs> I haven't oh, you been do? able
1: to bring myself to unsubscribe quite just yet. I'm like, I might still want some clothes from them eventually.
0: Um, pretty I, I've, aggressive.
2: <laughs> I've been most impressed with the reformations emails campaigns over uh, Rona. I think they're doing a fantastic job at not selling anything. Um, what is what the what is, is reformation yeah they're a they're a clothing brand um really really good job but um we're taking a we now. we don't we digress um so yeah there has been a huge change in our customers you know i think our main priority right now is ensuring that our customers are healthy um mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of that means also mental health during this period, because a lot of their jobs um, or salaries are under threat. Um, We know that we don't have a business if we don't have customers. So we're doing whatever we can to support them, um, you know, financially in in terms of contracts, as well as also when it comes to uh, professional services, we're, going the extra mile because we're we're fortunate
1: to be in tech and not to be Mm -hmm. as affected as they are. That's great. I think it's really interesting from our standpoint, we're seeing that some of our partners and clients are sort of in the same boat where they're like, okay, we're all in this, we have to support everybody. And others are still sort of in the older mindset of this is our way or the highway, things are the same, nothing is changing. So I just find it really fascinating to see how different industries and organizations are responding and some Mm -hmm. slower than others some more quick and more nimble but that's great to hear that you're really thinking about it from you know the support angle as opposed to just the the business side which of course is is a default but um i think in these interesting times and challenging times we have to be thinking more holistically about it so totally
2: totally i mean we will come back from this no one knows quite when but, but I think there is an agreement that we will so um, yeah there's no, there's no point in putting too much pressure on people now mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> but um, the, the, the thing that's affecting customer success management with coronavirus is I think the inability to be face-to-face with your customers mm. which is particularly in an enterprise framework is a big loss because right? when you are face-to-face and you're able to host a, a large um, go live celebration with a with a customer or host a intimate executive business review or dinner around it um, you're able to get a lot of insights that you can't as easily get over zoom or phone calls or text or slack or however mm. else you're talking to them um, so that's been that's been a, a challenge for us um, and we are now looking at investing in different types of technologies to really help us create that red carpet experience online. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's quite exciting. There's not as much tech out there as I thought there would be for this kind of thing, um, but you know, just basic things like QR codes in the middle of meetings, so people can do polls and. Mm. Answer questions or um, virtual Uber Eats gift cards, um, you know, based on um, participation and, and so forth, can can really help um, keep people focused when there's so much distractions yeah.
0: and chaos around. That's a great point, and I totally agree with you. We've been looking at so many virtual solutions for to build community, and it's it is kind of startling how little there is out there but it's also like, oh, I see that that's the next wave of innovation. So <laughs> yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens. And speaking of vision, so what's next for you? What's the big vision for you personally, professionally? Oh, wow, it's a great question.
2: Um, you know, I think professionally, I, I really enjoy the world of customer success. Um, I'm finding it tie up more and more with customer experience initiatives and I am getting like deep into those. So um, customer experience programmes, voice of customer programmes, something that I'm, I'm really interested in. And I, I think there hasn't been that much um, thought leadership around how customer experience ties in with CS. So that's the kind of thing that I'm researching myself a lot and kind of writing my own notes about and uh, swapping notes with other
1: people on at the moment. Awesome. Very cool. So let's talk a little bit more on the personal side. So given everything and all the craziness that's happening right now, what's your current favorite way to practice self-care?
2: I really am enjoying doing my home workouts. There Mm -hmm. is this free 12 week program on YouTube um, that I'm doing and I just find it puts me in such a good mood and just makes me feel like I'm owning that part of my day. so, what's it called it's it's called the 12-week program by heather uh robertson okay. um I'm right, I'm and making a note yeah it's it's good because she doesn't talk too much and the music's good and i just like i don't like it when trainers bark at you um there's just complete silence you know it's just her the music the and yoga what, mat and that's it
0: is it yoga is that the it's, workout? No, it's not really yoga. It's, it's like hit workout, hit workout stuff. Yeah. I love a good hit workout. I did one this morning. I tell you, it is like a game changer from a mood perspective.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Um, I'm also making sure I take a lunch and at that lunch, I call my family, like oh, wherever, so... wherever they are. So, um, yeah, I found like I've been able to keep in touch and talk to people a lot more than I usually would. Um, which mm-hmm. is which is great it's kind of weird it's like you know rona just brings people together and makes them spend a lot more time with each other which is which is
1: a nice outcome of it yeah, yeah. we're all we're all distant yet closer together yeah
0: they call it physical distancing not social distancing that's what i'm yes
2: totally i think it's funny isn't it so i always talk about the matrix which i can't believe is like 20 years old now dude oh god oh my gosh um but um i feel like for a lot of people the the usage of technology to, to communicate as opposed to you know being face to face is was seen as like the people in the matrix who would sit in those chairs and just like be really unhealthy or um against their will were like held in a in a little alien pod or whatever um but actually, it's not. It's not like that at all, is it? It's completely different. We are able to be
0: a lot more human with technology. Um, I mean, Gemma, we don't know if we're all in the matrix right now. I mean, but we, we also also could aside. be in the matrix. I think we're <laughs> in some kind of simulation.
1: Let's be real.
0: <laughs> and this is why Felicia and I are drinking wine every night. So, <laughs> oh yeah, that also helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so one of our favorite questions we love to ask is what are you currently geeking out about money heist what is money
2: what, heist? what's money heist it's the netflix show um about bank robbers well it's a series but it's in spanish and um i'm really enjoying it because it's allowing me to like pick up on on, on some phrases that I completely erased from memory having not lived in Spain for a couple of years now that's nice so it actually takes place in Spain Mm -hmm. yeah it's um it's a Spanish series but you can watch it on US Netflix and you can put subtitles on as well so it's pretty easy to watch but yeah I'm just like binge watching for it now and um it's fun it's it's pretty intense I'm also geeking out about my houseplants like I'm getting real serious about about it
1: what kind of houseplants do you have um so
2: i've got an english ivy um i've got a um money tree i've got probably like seven different types of succulents um i've got a thailand something i forgot the name i just call i just called them mrs thailand um I, I, my 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 plants all have names that's
1: nice. no, i I'm, yeah. I'm down with that i have a plant um i have a christmas cactus that i've had since before college, so twenty plus years now at this point. Oh wow! Um, his name is Pablo, and yes, <laughs> I've given my plant a gender. For that forever. is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: um,
1: I
2: have I have two plants called the Lizzos because they're they're identical twins, oh, <laughs> we just called them Lizzos. That's
0: nice. <laughs> I think that's, that's adorable. I, I'm curious though because I happen to know that you got your lovely partner a wonderful gift. I think it was a game console. I oh yeah, we we bought a PS4. You bought a PS4 yeah. to deal with this insanity because also she works in healthcare, which is yes, yes, yeah, so a little stressful.
2: So she's geeking out on FIFA. Okay, which is, which is good. Although when we play together, I, I constantly let the team down so um because <laughs> you pay, you play on the same
0: team together yeah you can do that yeah you can that's play what, against
2: each other as well
0: but it gets gets a bit bit too intense that's when we argue see that's so interesting <laughs> because when so I love telling this story Mark doesn't love telling this story but early early on when we first started dating we, I think we visited his parents I think and they had a Wii, and we played Wii tennis mm-hmm. and um we were on the same team and I missed I missed a ball, and he got and he got so mad at me for we doubled tennis. I was like, I'm never gonna be on the same team with you again. As of, and, but uh, the reason why I mentioned this is it was so sweet because I think we we were talking, and I think. Uh, you were playing, and you had you had stepped away, and then all of a sudden you were like, "Oh, good job, sweetheart!" Like she like got the,
2: uh, she through like, a level. Won a, she won the Premier League or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: That that's so a sweet. lot of games.
2: That's a lot of games. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Look, I get it. It's rough times. You have to you have to do things outside of the norm. I think it was a lovely gift. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it was good. It is good. It's fun. So are there any things you would like to plug or share or ways that people can learn more about you and all of your loveliness? Um, I'm, I don't have anything to plug, um, but I'm
2: always happy to talk about customer success or digital experience. Um, So yeah, if anyone, you know, wants to reach out, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, And I've got a whole bunch of, uh, documentation and hard copy and, and soft copy that I can share with people who are really interested. I've recently collaborated collaborated a lot with Forrester on two different reports around oh, personal wow. success programs. Um, so yeah, happy to share.
0: That is awesome. Well. Yeah, please send, send the links and we'll make sure to put them in the show notes. Will do. It's my favorite. It's my favorite phrase of the month. Show notes. <laughs> put it in the show notes. Yeah, with <laughs> jazz hands. <laughs> jazz hands. <laughs> this was lovely. Thank you so much, Gemma. We really appreciate the time. Yes, thank you. It's been a
1: pleasure. Thanks to all our listeners for spending some time geeking out with us. If you enjoyed listening, please rate and review us on iTunes. Every review helps. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the
0: next interview. And tell all your friends. New episodes drop every Tuesday. (laughs) Check us out. She geeks out on all the things. And in case you're wondering what those things are, they are Twitter, Insta, FB, otherwise known as Facebook, LinkedIn, and our website, of course. Bye, Rachel. Bye, Felicia.